This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, I'm Natalia Shpilova Said. I'm a host of New Books in Ukrainian Studies and podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm delighted to speak today with Ola Ahnatyuk, author of Courage and Fear, published by Harvard Ukrainian Research Institute in 2019. Ola Ahnatyuk is a professor at the University of Warsaw, Poland, and to the Kiev Mohyla Academy, Ukraine. She also served in the Polish diplomatic corps. She's the recipient of numerous awards, including Polonia Restituta, the Antonovich Foundation Award for Fostering Polish-Ukrainian Cultural Cooperation, and the Pryszunski Polish Pen Club Award. Her book, Courage and Fear, originally published in Polish in 2015, received awards in Ukraine and in Poland. Hello, Ola. Congratulations on the English translation of your book. Uh, hello, Natalia. Thanks. Uh, many thanks for your congratulations and many thanks for having me. For, and I am excited about uh, my uh, my debut uh, at uh, English pod- uh, English language podcast. I am very very nervous about this, but I will do my best. Well, I'm I'm sure our discussion will go very well. So I would like to start with the introduction. Uh, so you explained that this book is not only a scholarly investigation of highly entangled histories of Polish, Ukrainian, and Jewish communities that happened to live in Lviv at the very turbulent pre-war, war, and post-war periods, uh, but also your personal story, a story of your parents and your grandparents. Would you say a few words about how the book is structured and why you open it with the story of your family? Thank you, Natalia, for such interesting question. And uh, for sure, I, I uh, would like, first of all, to, to explain why, uh, why I started with, uh, with my family history, with my family, uh, family story. And uh, then I will uh, switch to the, uh, the, stru- uh, to the structure of my book. So uh, the first reason was uh, that I, uh, for a very long time, I have been seeking for an approach which uh, would allow to combine different national narratives and to overcome so-called egoism of one's own pain. I mean, to see only one nation's victims uh, and to perceive all other cases as less important or even worse, uh, other nationalities as enemies or even persecutors. The second reason was I wanted to say that microhistory matters. Of course, I don't mean that one can replace 
uh, history or master narrative uh, by case study, but I wanted to encourage young historians to put it in the well-known metaphor to see an ocean in just one drop. And the third reason was uh, for such choice was the desire to shorten the distance between the reader and the author. If you are familiar with the author and her or his own story, you will trust her or him more. And last but not least, I wanted to exemplify through my family history that uh, there are so many untold stories. First of all, in Ukrainian history, the pressure of communist system was everywhere in the communist um, uh, states. Um, uh, but in Ukraine, it was extremely high. Most of Ukrainian citizens had to show silence, otherwise they wouldn't survive. The best example is Holodomor. And the fact that only in late 80s, at the eve of uh, Perestroika, first mentions of Holodomor appeared in public sphere in Soviet Union. And only during 90s, uh, scholars in Ukraine started to study the Holodomor. It took almost 20 years when state program was implemented and uh, the recognition of the victims of Holodomor started to be a part of state politics. So uh, it was, uh, my, uh, my aim was to encourage young historians and young people to, to listen to uh, their grandparents to, um, to um, try to, to understand uh, uh, their stories. And uh, now uh, a few words about the structure of, of my book. Uh, so I started with uh, my family history, which is uh, uh, highly entangled uh, Polish, Ukrainian, and Jewish history uh, with um, many uh, really complicated uh, uh, traces and uh, all uh, members of my family were displaced from uh, from their old uh, places uh, for their houses uh, to uh, uh, to Poland and uh, no one of them uh, wanted to be uh, to be displaced person so it is uh, really uh, common for uh, the, this part of Europe uh, the history of uh, displacement but uh, I didn't want to uh, to tell the story only about displaced persons I wanted to um, uh, tell the story of, of uh, Lviv Intelligentsia. And I decided to uh, choose um, uh, some protagonists uh, of uh, Lviv Intelligentsia. And uh, I wanted to uh, choose uh, such, uh, such uh, intelligence who will be re representative for for uh, this 
strata and uh, to re uh, and who will uh, represent uh, their own media. For example, academics, so university professors, uh, old uh, old professors and new ones, Soviet one, uh, and uh, uh, artists, singers, um, writers. Um, and uh, medical uh, medical workers, uh, first of all, doctors. So I, I wanted to present very uh, broad uh, picture of different milieu and uh, different strata from rather uh, rather poor people. Uh, to a very uh, very uh, well um, uh, uh, situated people, uh, very rich, uh, which were collectioners, which uh, were the owners of uh, of uh, huge buildings. So uh, I wanted to uh, to show uh, different stories with different uh, social background. With different origins, and uh, of course, with uh, they were of different nationalities. There were Poles, Jews, and uh, Ukrainians. And um, um, I wanted to uh, base my book uh, mostly on uh, on uh, diaries and so-called ego documents, uh, which means. Uh, uh, correspondence, letters, and even um, uh, such uh, difficult documents, difficult for uh, studying documents, uh, like uh, investigation protocols, inter, uh, inter, uh, uh, interrogation protocols. So um, I uh, didn't want to uh, to um, uh, use. Um, um, memoirs. I I uh, I uh, preferred mm -hmm. uh, diaries, uh, mostly diaries than, uh, than, uh, than memoirs, because memoirs are influenced by uh, national narratives and only on the, on the level of day-to-day -day observation you can have. Uh, uh, Better view on on uh, on the events, on the uh, views of uh, such person, uh, on the situation, on on the uh, behavior of others. So um, I, I decided to uh, to go uh, this way uh, through the studying of ego documents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, your uh, book centers, as I mentioned, on Lviv, and you cover different time periods, as I mentioned, again, pre-war, war, and post-war. Uh, but um, I would like to start with uh, Lviv uh, in its pre-war, uh, let's say, milieu. And um, how would you describe that uh, Lviv? Your book uh, includes a number of pictures, some 
are part of your family story. Some provide an insight into the intellectual and political life of that time period. But what was um, cultural life like uh, in, let's say, in 1938 or 1939? What was the political situation there as well? Uh, thank you, Sula, for such such question. It is a uh, temptation to uh, to tell the story through the myth of Lviv, beautiful, rich, multicultural city supported by uh, and, and this myth is supported by many former inhabitants, especially Poles, but not only Poles. For example, Polish uh, Jew Josef Witlin, who uh, emigrated uh, after the World War II to to New York. And he supported such a nostalgic myth of uh, Lviv, that Lviv, uh, that Lviv before World War II, uh, which was uh, uh, extremely uh, nice city, uh, very uh, um, you know, friendly for uh, for not only. Uh, uh, inhabitants of, uh, of the city, but also for uh, guests of the city, and uh, very influential in the influential even uh, cultural life or uh, Polish cultural life. But of course, mm-hmm. it is Polish myth of uh, Lviv and uh, Ukrainian myth of Lviv is uh, rather different if, uh, if it is... Uh, if it exists, uh, I am not sure uh, about uh, such uh, such myth of Lviv. Uh, after World War II, uh, Ukrainian uh, emigrants wanted to create such myth, but uh, I think um, they failed to to create such uh, such myth. So, uh, and uh, for sure, it was a different a different picture of the city. So. Uh, it was a multicultural city. However, it was a city full of tensions between different stratas, uh, social stratas, national, um, uh, um, national spinota, mm-hmm. national uh, societies, mm-hmm. not societies, national uh, communities. Communities, uh, so um, it was, uh, however, uh, these communities uh, uh, communicate mm-hmm. uh, not in uh, only inside them, but also outside them. So uh, it was uh, a city with a really uh, difficult uh, communication because of uh, domination of Polish uh, uh, administration, Polish language, and other languages uh, were uh, uh, not allowed, and uh, even uh, even uh, the, uh, the name. Ukrainians or Ukrainian was not allowed, only Ruthenian. So um, we cannot say that it was so uh, um, picturesque, so uh, uh, nice, uh, and uh, so with no uh, with no problems uh, between different communities. 
However, with, with um, cultural life and um, uh, uh, university or, or academic life uh, was really intense. Uh, uh, and uh, the, with, with great achievement, uh, this uh, achievements of uh, philosophy or ma uh, mathematicians, uh, it was uh, really well uh, recognized uh, uh, writers from uh, Lviv, uh, famous in, uh, in uh, the center of Poland in Warsaw. And, uh, uh, it wasn't true for uh, for Ukrainians. Only mm -hmm. uh, it was true for uh, these Jews who uh, decided to uh, to write in Polish, who decided to have a career uh, thanks to uh, to uh, their uh, um, access to to. Uh, Polishness, so I, I would say Polishness. Uh, Lviv, at the late thirties, uh, was also the, the city of um, of uh, the uh, inter uh, inter battle. Uh, um, I didn't describe this battle in my book, but. Uh, the main uh, struggle was uh, between the main struggle was between uh, Jews and Poles mm -hmm. because uh, Jews were uh, one third of the in, uh, Lviv inhabitants and Poles were uh, one half. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, it 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 was two main uh, main communities of uh, of a city uh, and uh, Ukrainians were minority in the city uh, it was only uh, more or less uh, rather less than 20% uh, according to um, census it was it was 17% uh, uh, but we have to remember that not only uh, battles uh, in uh, the university between uh, between Polish uh, radicals, uh, nationalists, uh, and against uh, Jews, so-called ghetto, Lavkova, uh, uh, and numerous clauses uh, principle towards Jews. The same numerous clauses uh, principle was uh, to war, uh, was uh, employed to toward Ukraine. So uh, at, uh, on the first level, it was a nice city, the best city uh, in Poland. Uh, how it uh, described uh, described many many former citizens of uh, Lviv, but on the uh, other level, uh, with no nostalgic, uh, no nostal nostalgia, no uh, no uh, myth, it was a city full of uh, tensions and struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as you mentioned, the history of Lviv is uh, rich in all kinds of highly entangled histories and stories, um, not only in the late 1930s, but onwards. And um, if you were to identify the main points of contention, uh, what uh, would those be? 
and what is contested by whom by what and to what end um i think but uh but uh we um can start uh uh, the answer with uh, with um, um, the origins of mm -hmm. uh, of this uh, contestation, mm -hmm. and um, I think that uh, uh, origins uh, were uh, not just in the thirties uh, of twentieth century, but uh, their roots were in the um, the 19th century. Mm -hmm. I would place them in uh, at the turn of uh, 19th and 20th century, but the main point of modernization and the main point of uh, nationalization. But uh, uh, of course, one might uh, say that uh, we should start with the Spring of Nations, uh, 1848, but. Uh, it isn't accidentally that most of my protagonists were born and were active before World War One. Uh, Austro-Hungarian Galicia was the most backward province, and uh, at the same time, uh, it it uh, uh, um, uh, it has been modernized at this and uh, this time, and uh, this tension of modernization of nationalization uh, are uh, are uh, really uh, really present in the uh, in the turn of 19th century and 20th century and uh, we can observe at the turn of 30s and 40s only uh, the results of this uh, of this start of this start of the turn of the 19th century and 20th century uh, and a uh, point of con uh, contentions of contention of contention uh, uh, you know uh, uh, there are different points of uh, of uh, contention and uh, they depend on a political and national background uh, I will uh, mention only one of them. Uh, there is a Polish saying, uh, gentlemen do not discuss on facts. Uh, it means that there is no reason to call into the question facts. However, in highly contested uh, uh, questions like who Lviv belongs to, even mm. numbers are questioned. When uh, in uh, I, I remember uh, when in uh, 2009 I worked with my colleagues uh, on the open air exhibition dedicated to Soviet occupation of Lviv. We started uh, the, this uh, exhibition with information about inhabitants of pre-war Lviv. Uh, and the population of Lviv, according to uh, 1931 census, was uh, like I uh, described uh, uh, in my previous answer. Uh, I mean, uh, half of uh, of uh, population were, were Poles, uh, one third were Jews, and only less than uh, twenty percent were Ukrainians. And uh, uh, it is rather obvious, but um, 
it is possible to contest even numbers. On the one uh, one hand, uh, they are numbers, but on the other hand, we have to understand that 1931 census and most of previous censuses, never mind Polish or Austrian, were highly contested by Polish and Ukrainian scholars and politicians. Both sides questioned numbers and pointed out that uh, categories of this census were not correct. I mean that uh, our, our Austrian census had no question about nationality, but only about a language spoken and religion. Polish census of 1921 and uh, 1931 used the same categories and uh, they were questioned. So uh, to sum up, uh, we can question uh, even numbers because uh, these numbers matter uh, whether it was uh, less than uh, 20% or rather more. Why uh, Ukrainians didn't want to, uh, to be visible in this uh, census or didn't want mm. to uh, speak Ukrainian on the Lviv street. So it is it is matter of uh, of um, Oppression. It is matter of of uh, the status of uh, Ukrainian language uh, during interwar period, and uh, the the same, but uh, a little bit different uh, is is uh, with uh, with Jewish because some Jews are more um, educated, uh, uh, more uh, with uh, with uh, better uh, better. Social status uh, uh, decided to uh, um, uh, switch into Polish to uh, to even be uh, uh, to be Poles, uh, but at the same t- uh, time they uh, uh, were of uh, of uh, uh, Jewish religion, so uh, they. Uh, uh, they were uh, according to uh, to, to some uh, to some points they were Jews but uh, uh, from the point of view of culture they were Poles so um, uh, to uh, to uh, answer uh, your uh, your question not only uh, not only numbers but also uh, but also status uh, and uh, um, the best, uh, the best social status were uh, have uh, have had Poles mm-hmm. than uh, Jews, and the, the uh, worst status uh, had uh, Ukrainians, uh, with uh, with uh, all consequences, with all. Um, uh, uh, um, Problems uh, which uh, which uh, were uh, caused uh, by, uh, by this uh, high status or uh, low status, low mm-hmm. social status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, indeed, um, your book does emphasize 
this um, uh, status of the Ukrainian uh, language uh, in Nalu specifically. Uh, and um, you um, present a lot of material that uh, testify towards the inferior status of the Ukrainian language when compared to the Polish language, for, for instance. You also mentioned that Ukrainian writers had a lot of struggle as they were trying to be recognized by other writers, for instance, those who by those who um, wrote in Polish. And um, I'm wondering how did this status of Ukrainian eventually change? And you also note in your book that uh, Ukrainization strategies with the arrival of the Soviets served, in fact, to Russify the population. Uh, one of the um, points that really um, uh, struck me <laughs> and uh, I was uh, uh, wondering about uh, this fact for a long time was that uh, you mentioned that sometimes the Poles would prefer to mention Ryan's, uh, Russian scientists and writers rather than Ukrainian. So um, would you, would you um, talk a little, a little bit more uh, about the um, Ukrainian language and about how the Ukrainian language uh, was probably uh, introduced um, in in this in this region. Uh, Natalia, thank you very much. Uh, probably I have to uh, use uh, uh, one uh, one more ter- uh, one more. Um, uh, notion that uh, is a uh, colonial status mm-hmm. and uh, however I don't uh, I didn't implement co- uh, colonial studies approach in my uh, book but I have to uh, use uh, this uh, uh, notion uh, in uh, in the answer because uh, um, what I said about uh, low social status is also uh, combined with national status. So uh, if it is low social status and low national status, we, uh, we, have, to, uh, we have to use this uh, uh, um, post-colonial studies um, uh, notions. And uh, uh, for sure, uh, for Poles, uh, Russians were uh, of high culture. Mm. Not uh, it doesn't matter that uh, they were Soviets, but uh, when they belonged to this uh, strata of intelligentsia, for example, Russian Soviet professors, they uh, were perceived as. Uh, uh, person, uh, uh, persons who uh, have a uh, uh, higher status than, uh, than uh, Ukrainian professors. Uh, Ukrainian um, professors were professors from the province and the uh, capital was still Moscow and uh, this uh, we can trace it uh, from uh, um, but uh, older times from the uh, uh, 17th century and from uh, from 18th century, but for sure we can trace that uh, from the turn of 19th and 20th century, and uh, from uh, national Demo- Polish national democrats. Uh, um, background. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 
um, uh, didn't recognize uh, the uh, right uh, of Ukrainians to, to be a nation to, uh, for their own state and were for sure recognized Russians uh, because they were uh, dominant and uh, they uh, aspired, they, uh, they desired to, uh, to uh, have the same status, I mean Polish National Democrats. So uh, this uh, partly a matter of um, a colonial uh, point of view mm-hmm. and partly uh, a matter of uh, uh, ideology. Uh, so Polish National Dem- Democrats ideology and uh, uh, also uh, the uh, belief that uh, uh, Polish uh, language is a language of um, high education and Ukrainian language couldn't be uh, could not be a language of higher education. And for sure, Russian is a language for higher education. Uh, the same uh, uh, is very popular uh, in a uh, uh, very common uh, uh, belief that uh, uh, Russian culture is high culture. Uh, I... I, I, I uh, I know that Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, and, and many other Russian writers are, are really interesting. But uh, uh, it is uh, the, not a stat- not a matter of status. It is a matter of uh, literature, mm-hmm. and uh, but it is very very common to uh, to entangled the status with other uh, other uh, other matters like uh, literature mm-hmm. like a uh, uh, really interesting uh, approach like uh, uh, methodologies in uh, in um, in science or in humanities so um, it is not good because it is Russian it is good because it is uh, um, uh, of a high level, and never mind that it's Russian or Polish or Ukrainian, but uh, very, very often it is uh, a matter of prejudice. It couldn't be good because it is uh, a culture or um, university uh, from the uh, um, other part of Europe. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, your book also excellently illustrates how literature and politics get intermingled. Um, what strategies were employed to convert the Lviv dwellers, for example, into the supporters of Soviet rule? Uh, you describe how translations were involved in the political agendas and literary criticism was on the service to political parties as well. And probably these are the strategies were quite um, popular and widely used in the Soviet Union in general. Um, I uh, I think uh, there are many many examples of uh, of uh, such uh, cooperations uh, of of um, uh, uh, intelligentsia of uh, of writers of uh, uh, translators of uh, of art.
artists of uh, singers uh, during uh, during uh, Soviet times, and there are many many full uh, full of uh, the, my book is full of anecdotes. But I I uh, didn't want to to overload this book uh, by anecdotes. But I wanted to uh, understand to uh, what extent uh, these people were uh, pressed to uh, to um, to do uh, such things I mean to to um, uh, cooperate with Soviet rulers and to what matters they uh, they were uh, 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 Sure, uh, it is uh, the only way to to survive, and uh, uh, to what uh, extent they uh, they were uh, just uh, ideolo- ideologically uh, tempted, because they were also such uh, such uh, uh, writers uh, who believed that. Uh, 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 it is a system of uh, social uh, social uh, um, equality. So we uh, believe that it is a better system than it was uh, during Polish uh, uh, Polish Republic times. Uh, uh, maybe I uh, I just uh, just uh, recall one of the anecdote about uh, about uh, artists who uh, were pressed uh, to to um, uh, cooperate with uh, or to collaborate, but I I, I don't like this uh, this uh, this uh, verb uh, to collaborate, so I I prefer to cooperate. Or to support mm-hmm. uh, the Soviet rules, uh, and uh, the stories about uh, visual artists uh, who uh, who uh, were pressed to return to their uh, school day technique of uh, reproduction. Uh, the only persons who had a chance to make money were those who could adjust to the conditions of the authorities' full control over art. And were efficient copyists at, uh, at that. Uh, though even those skills didn't guarantee one's safety. As one in uh, newspapers in art, two employees uh, shuddered at the top uh, uh, of overlooking an error in communist keywords and names. Editors recalled that their nightmares were to feature typos in the name Stalin. Uh, likewise, is a mistake in copying the visage, uh, visage of revolutionary chiefs in the USSR leaders could cause serious problems. And one of the artists, Arthur Nacht, was supporting the, uh, his entire family and had little choice but to take up such mass production. While transferring a portrait of Lavrenti Beria to a canvas, he made a mistake in the enlargement and moved the image by one grid. And this miscalculation left the chief of the state security with two sets of eyes. Uh, 
gigantic portrait hung at second story level and peered down onto the crowds with redoubled attention. The party's leadership wouldn't accept any explanations and accused the artist of sabotage. Thankfully, in the course of the investigation, the school's employees were able to convince the authorities that no sabotage had occurred and the error had merely been a technical glitch. So it is one of, uh, of many uh, anecdotes, uh, true stories about such, uh, such cooperation and... Um, and uh, uh, for sure, uh, um, be, uh, very often, uh, Poles believed that only others, only Jews or only Ukrainians were uh, collaborators. Never mind with, uh, 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 I mean, with, uh, with Soviets. And... Um, uh, my book is full of, of such examples of, of, of such ex- accusations of uh, collaboration of uh, others. And uh, uh, at the same time, uh, such persons, such, uh, such accusators uh, uh, didn't um, uh, see that uh, his own behavior is uh, very similar. So, uh, one of my main points was uh, we have to avoid such accusation and we have to uh, study very carefully uh, every every case. Mm-hmm. And we gradually uh, moved towards the arrival of the Soviets and Nazi Germans. And um, as your book documents, arrests were massive and numerous. And to avoid arrests, some choices had to be done. Um, some did what they could to avoid arrests, some didn't compromise. Uh, but this question of what one does or doesn't do when their life is threatened is never um, black and white. So where is this starting point for us to understand the complexity of the situation that was created in Viva with the arrival of the Nazi Germans and Soviets? You just made a comment that we have to be careful when we look at these um, complexities. But um, how would you suggest that we start uh, understanding this complexity without accusing, uh, it's, uh, without, uh, without any accusations? Um, I, I'm sure that uh, uh, we are, uh, uh, we should be very, very careful with, uh, with uh, uh, such studies and even uh, uh, so well-known and well-researched uh, 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 case as a pogrom of mm-hmm. uh, early July of 1941 uh, should be studied more carefully. Uh, as um, I um, uh, tried to, uh, to um, show um, um, uh, Lvivians or uh, uh, inhabitants of Lviv uh, 
greeting, uh, greeted, uh, greeted Nazis mm -hmm. at the uh, very first days of, uh, of uh, uh, Nazi occupation. And only uh, during next uh, few weeks, we uh, were so shocked by uh, Nazis' uh, policy toward uh, Lviv uh, dwellers that uh, uh, they uh, changed their mm -hmm. uh, approach, their, um, uh, their uh, behavior toward Nazis. But at, at first uh, moment, they, uh, they were uh, so happy that Soviets uh, um, left uh, Lviv, but uh, they didn't realize that uh, the same or even worse uh, will uh, start in a minute. So uh, one, just one example um, about uh, about um, um, this very first moment of Nazi occupation as Lviv uh, pogroms. And crowds of uh, uh, Lvivians at the streets uh, who were uh, uh, greeting the Nazis. And uh, for sure, if we believe that only 17% uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, Lviv inhabitants were Ukrainians, so uh, how they uh, created such crowds? Just just one uh, one question, and I have no answer uh, from uh, many historians for this question. Uh, I didn't question the, uh, the fact of the pogrom, but uh, I I believe that it was not uh, uh, organized only just by uh, Ukrainian nationalists. Uh, it was uh, it was much more complicated story. Um, and uh, many other uh, other examples uh, during Nazi occupation, uh, we can we can uh, uh, show the cooperation between the Ukrainian artist and my uh, my grand uh, grandmother, how they uh, are trying to uh, to uh, rescue some uh, their their friends from the ghetto, how they how they uh, cooperate uh, and uh, and uh, how um, how it is complicated uh, to 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 find uh, to find money for such uh, for such help to find uh, food for uh, for uh, people in uh, in the, the, the um, Ukrainian, uh, in the, um, I mean, uh, Jews who who were uh, underground or uh, who were uh, in uh, in uh, um, um, places uh, safe for uh, for them from the Nazis. So uh, how it was uh, very difficult to find the food for them, how it was very complicated to 
to find money for uh, for this food and uh, um, to uh, to rescue them. It was very very complicated task. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you uh, say the uh, Soviet presence changed uh, Lviv? Uh, did it become um, Sovietized or did it become less culturally diverse? Uh, it depends on uh, the, the time uh, mm-hmm. during uh, during the first uh, Soviets. Uh, it is a common uh, common uh, name of this uh, this uh, first period of Soviet occupation. Occupation mm-hmm. uh, 1939 uh, 1941. Uh, it was still diverse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it was uh, uh, unified by Sovietization, and uh, at the first time, uh, Ukrainian language was used as a as an uh, instrument for uh, Sovietization. But uh, mm-hmm. not only Ukrainian language. And uh, first of all, it was uh, symbols of uh, Soviet regimes of uh, of uh, Soviet so, uh, different uh, state. Uh, state uh, fests like uh, October Revolution, like uh, Stalin's Constitution, like uh, uh, for, uh, First of May, and uh, and uh, of course uh, mass demonstration, mass uh, mass um, participation of uh, of. Uh, uh, people in uh, um, uh, trade unions, uh, so uh, it was uh, uh, worker unions. It was a kind of of um, uh, Sovietization of uh, of uh, social life. And uh, first of all, um, all parties, all uh, cultural. Uh, uh, social organizations were banned uh, this time, uh, and uh, uh, all uh, institutions were uh, started to be uh, state institutions. So, for example, they were uh, such institutions as uh, National uh, National Society, uh, Shevchenko National Society. And the uh, Osolineum uh, Library, and uh, they were uh, combined, and uh, it started to be one uh, one uh, one institution, and uh, one Soviet institution with Soviet uh, Soviet directors with uh, Soviet rules. And uh, 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 and uh, under Soviet control. So uh, at the first time, it was Sovietization and uh, oppression, repressions, uh, arrests, and uh, many others. But on the second uh, Soviet occupation, it was uh, uh, in 1944. It started to be. Uh, not only repression, but uh, also mass uh, uh, mass deportation, mm-hmm. and all Poles were deported to 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 Poland, and uh, mass deportations of Ukrainians and uh, uh, ma- uh, were deported to 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 the east. 
And uh, uh, last but not least, during uh, during Nazi occupation, uh, the whole Jewish population was annihilated. So very, very little uh, Jews uh, survived the uh, Nazi occupation. So after World War II, Lviv uh, started to be uh, uh completely other uh, other city uh, but it doesn't mean that it uh, started to be Ukrainian city mm-hmm. but during the well, late, uh, late uh, 40s and early 50s Lviv was mostly Russian city mm-hmm. and very little uh, people even scholars uh, know about about this mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, uh, the uh, instances that your book describes um, are hard to talk about. There are a lot of wounds that are exposed and revealed, and there are a lot of prejudices. And I feel like we have to uh, somehow produce this language, how to analyze and how to describe uh, these instances and these uh, difficult and contested pasts. Uh, But your book also illustrates that there are productive ways for such discussions. Uh, Would you like to uh, make a couple of more comments on how to uh, talk about difficult and contested pasts? Thank you for such question. It is really important and maybe even the most important for me uh, reason why I, I, I wrote this book. Uh, but I have to confess that there is no universal idea for such discussion, as well as there are no universal medications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I cannot give you or anyone first prescription for the discussion of difficult past or uh, contested past. However, there are universal uh, universal principles, uh, and one of them is first, do no harm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I am sure that our listeners will agree with this principle, as well as with a conviction that manipulation in social life is really harmful. So-called historical uh, historical politics does more harm than good. During last years, we have been observing uh, how both sides, Polish and Ukrainian, destroyed the process of reconciliation, employing historical politics. Mm-hmm. For sure, Polish side was more active in this process and caused more damage. However, one cannot say that Ukrainian side was not involved in uh, destabilization. And despite all, all these circumstances of last decade, and despite of a lack of, of good faith of one, uh, uh, the one side, I mean Polish, when we take broader frames, namely last three decades, I would say that historians have found productive ways of the discussion. It is trivial, but true. Sine ire et studio. For sure, scholars have to meet great demands. First of all, they have to be equipped with criticism towards resources, to the master narrative, 
to her or his own prejudice. It should be obvious, but it isn't. Any scholar researching relationships have to be familiar with sources in relevant languages. In our case, at least in Polish, Ukrainian, Russian, but also in German and Yiddish, um, should be um, implemented or used. And now let's ask how many Polish or Ukrainian scholars Met, uh, meet such demands very little mm -hmm. much more prefer to be involved in historical politics mm -hmm. which where such high qualification are not required um, I believe that there were also other models of dialogue so-called protocols of uh, discrepancy just one example seminars of historians named difficult questions I would say the name of the seminar entangled the result. But uh, still, I believe that different approach, uh, and one of them I proposed at this uh, micro-history approach, but uh, the other is uh, entangled history and uh, uh, ultra-national, uh, uh, I mean, uh, an, um, uh, not from the from the uh, bottom, but from the top uh, uh, view from the from the uh, this top for from this uh, this point of of European history or uh, history of region when uh, you are above national narratives you can uh, you can observe much more mm -hmm. on, uh, in the frame of national narratives so I uh, propose my approach is uh, uh, below the national narratives from the level of micro history this uh, it is not a family history it is a micro history of living intelligentsia uh, but uh, of course, I uh, appreciate uh, such uh, such a pro approach, like in uh, in uh, um, uh, Timothy Snyder books, and especially uh, Bloodlands, uh, which is uh, really a multi multi uh, national mm -hmm. uh, approach. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Olam. Uh, thank you so much for this discussion today and for your book that delicately guides us through multiple entanglements and attempts to offer routes for uneasy and complicated conversations, as we discussed today. But these conversations, one way or another, touch upon the issues of choice and compromise, courage and responsibility, fear and hope. Uh, thank you so much, Olam. Thank you for having me. Thank you for invitation and uh, for your uh, excellent questions. Um, today I spoke with Oleg Natuk, author of Courage and Fear, published by Harvard Ukrainian Research Institute in 2019. Thank you for listening to New Books in Ukrainian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network.